Hi there, thanks for coming back if this is your second visit. If it's your first visit, make sure you go back and listen to all the other episodes. Episode 1 was my top 10 horror films with Carl Donnelly. And that's all the other episodes covered. Um, This week it's the smart, the sassy, the nomadic, because she's been on tour for months and hasn't slept in her own bed forever, Lisa Curry. I saw Lisa at this year's, 2019 that is, for those of you listening in the future, uh, Mac Festival. She was brilliant, and when she said, dear listeners, that she'd be able to fit us in, uh, I was well excited, um, so much so that my garbled communication led to some confusion, as you will hear in the show. Finally, a big thank you to Lizzie and Maggie at Little Angel Theatre, where we recorded this episode. Uh, They were very accommodating, very helpful, um, especially during the confusion uh, that I mentioned. The sound is a little bit echoey. We're in quite a bright room sound-wise. But if you imagine that we're in a church and that Lisa Curry is God, then it makes it even more exciting. So close your eyes, kneel down, and stick your tongue out in anticipation of the communion wafer that it... No, this isn't working, is it? Here's the show. On my top ten is Lisa Curry. Hello, Lisa. What's up? How are you? I am very good, thank you. Um, even better now that you're here. I thought we can stand <laughs> up because of a mix-up in times and studio numbers. Yeah, I I have a problem also where when I read something, I I kind of just read it really quickly or I kind of skim it a little bit. So you definitely said Studio Three, and I read that as three o'clock. And I just saw the number three and I was like, great, here we go, three o'clock. <laughs> and I wrote midday and in English that's 12 o'clock and in American that's... Yeah, in America I was like, midday is the middle of my day. It could be 10 to 2, maybe 4. <laughs> so there is a cultural problem yeah. and a writing problem from, on my part. But It's all good. In answer to your question, now you're here, I'm brilliant. Thank you very much for coming on <laughs> my top 10. Um, what subject are you going to be covering today? Um, I'm going to do ten, 10 tips for, and I don't even know if this is the 10 best, but just 10, 10 tips for anybody who is uh, getting into stand-up. Hey, that's me. So before we do that, Lisa, uh, what's your life story in three sentences? Uh, raised in a biker bar. <laughs> uh, grew up on a lake. And uh, completely feral childhood. Sounds idyllic. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how do I (laughs) sum that up? Sounds brilliant. And in terms of summing up your career, what are your three career highlights? Oh, shit. Um, Three career highlights. One would be a couple days ago when I, I recorded my first album at Top Secret. That was really fun. Another would be doing MacFest 
in Wales last year. I was the first American to do it, so that felt really exciting. And um, when is this coming out? There might be, the third one might be actually happening next, or in a couple of weeks. I may be doing a military tour the last week of June. So um, I'm just waiting for them to book my flight before I announce it. So that would be three. So this will probably come out after that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope it went well. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I don't die. <laughs> Hopefully it gets booked. <laughs> so what do you know? Can you talk about what sort of places you'd be going with that? Oh, it would just be one. It would just be to a base in Jordan somewhere. Wow. So, yeah, I just sent in my passport and everything yesterday, so we'll see if that goes. This, is, this will be the third one that I booked, and the first two ended up getting pulled at the last minute. So I'm excited and hopeful but also, I don't want to announce... I'm not even going to post it anywhere until after it's completed. And then I'll be like, surprise, I went to Jordan. <laughs> so you heard it here first, but after the event, my top ten listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was an, elabor- an elaborate hoax and someone's just stolen your passport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Hi there. This is the voice of the future talking. Lisa went to Jordan and judging by her Instagram feed, she had a fabulous time. If you don't already follow her, I recommend that you do. It's a it's a real two-for-one deal. Not only do you get lots of photos of Lisa looking fabulous, she has a real photographer's eye, so the pictures that she isn't in um, are also a joy to behold. So follow Olympian Lisa Curry. She went to Jordan. Hand you back to the past. Bye. So getting back to the subject of the day, top ten. So just talking at me, you know, I'm... I'm under the apprehension, misapprehension, that I'm going to get round to doing stand-up one day because I'm having a midlife crisis. <laughs> think my whole life is shit. I want to change everything I do. And think that being hated by lots of people I'm trying to make laugh could be the way to do that. So just educate me. How do yeah. I do this? Number one, and I will rank this as the number one thing, be nice to everyone. Just be nice to right. everyone. There's no reason to be a cunt. To people, and that's a, just a general rule to anyone listening. Just be nice to people. Just be pleasant, because otherwise you're just gonna you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot before you ever start. And you're nice, so you don't have to worry about that. But how do you know I'm not come? <laughs> well, so far <laughs> in 15 minutes you haven't been. <laughs> so if you learned that the hard way, there have been times where you've sort of no, but stopped. I see people uh, be total cunts. And not, uh, and it stops there. Listen, for some people, they're funny enough that you can be a cunt. Um, but you're probably not. I mean, the odds that you are, are, there's very few people who can move forward without being kind. You know, mm. and I've seen a lot of people that are like uh, decently funny, but their careers just stop dead in its tracks because they're just such assholes to people. And I think with me too as well, people have historically been arseholes. <laughs> yeah. It's all coming home to roost now for them, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, why? Why? There's no reason for it. So if, are you saying you've never, ever sort of stabbed a fellow act in the back and gone, oh, jeez, they're doing that joke, or is that the sort of thing you think and just, hey, that was the best show ever to their face? I try to be supportive. I mean, I'm not going to tell somebody, great set, if they just died on their ass because it doesn't feel good to hear. Like, if you know you're bombing and you come off stage and some comic is like, great set, it feels patronizing. So, so 
Yeah, I wouldn't say it. And if someone were to say to you, oh, great set after you bombed, would you take that? I, t- I would take it as either you didn't watch my set and you're lying, or you're being an asshole. <laughs> like which goes rude. against rule number one, which is be nice. Yeah, it's like if you have no legs and somebody's like, great legs. Yeah. You'd be like, what? Fuck you. <laughs> so, number two on the list of tips. Work your ass off. Just, you have to... It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And I think that sometimes, you know, I'm not where I want to be in my career yet. And I'm, I'm still working towards things that I want. But I've had newer comics ask me, like, well, how do you get to where you are now? And, you know, when you start telling them all the work that's involved, you see their eyes kind of glaze over and they're like, oh, no. Because I think a lot of times when people ask you for advice, what they're really asking you is to give them a job. Right. <laughs> they don't actually want advice. Yeah, of course, yeah. One one person out of every 30 maybe wants advice. So they're just looking for the secret password yeah. to get you into the... Yeah, and there's no secret. There's no shortcut. You just have to work. You know, I uh, I, I remember <clears throat> years ago I had this this guy that I knew who had... He was about a year into com- comedy. And I w- I'm only seven years in myself so I'm not I'm still a baby comic and uh, this was a couple years ago and he messaged me and he's like hey can you give me contacts to shows I've been doing stand up for a year now and he sends me a link to his video now and you you look ridiculous just sending somebody your video cold and being like hey check out my thing I'm so funny like you totally look insane and so he sent me this and was like hey can you get me on some shows and I said you should keep doing open mics. And he's like, well, just watch my video. I know I'm only a year in, but I'm really good. And I was like, <laughs> and then at that point, I was like, fuck you. And I mean, I didn't say that, but I, I was like, you know, um, I'm not going to watch your video. I said, I promise you at a year in, you're still shit. So Gosh. keep, just keep hitting open mics and just keep working and keep meeting people and go to shows and support comedy shows and then, you know, talk to the booker afterwards and try to get a spot that way. And like, you can't, if you just started, you can't expect to like, just be booked on all these shows, you know? Sure. Um, you're currently working your absolute ass off, aren't you? I'm yeah. surprised you've managed to fit me in. So yeah. uh, how long ago were you in your place in Los Angeles? How do what? How long ago since you were in your house, your home? Oh, um, five weeks. I've been overseas for five weeks now, and I'm here for another three, and then, um, and then I'm in New York for a few months. So I don't, I won't be back in LA until this fall. So it's just my place is sublet out right now, which uh, that's another thing. Like, I mean, I, I would say that would take me into like tip number three would be like just you have to get good at being uncomfortable because especially if you're on the road and you're making and I I think this is a little bit different for London comics because you guys make money here in the city where in the states all the money you make is is comes from road gigs you you have to be a New York or LA to make a name for yourself but then you have to go on the road to make money which is it, it seems counterintuitive but I think that, I mean, I have friends also <clears throat> back home where they're kind of, their career is a little stagnant. I'm literally just thinking of one person where 
where maybe their career isn't where they want it to be, but they also don't want to go on the road because they're like, well, I don't want to stay. I don't want to crash on somebody's couch. I don't want to stay in some motel. I want to be put up in a nice hotel and I need X, Y, and Z things. And it's like, okay, well then you kind of have to choose either unless, unless some big name comic takes you on the road and is putting you up in nice hotels. You like have to kind of rough it for a little while, you know? And you've done that, haven't you? you went out oh, God, a yeah. A couple of other comics and just drove around the country. Yeah, just drove around the country and stayed on friends' couches and slept in the car one night because we couldn't check into the hotel early and, like, just ridiculous shit or, like, stay with friends or family along the way. But it's, like, you can't afford to be spending $200 a night on a hotel if you're making $100 a night, you know? Sure. It just doesn't... Mathematically, it just doesn't work out. And, and then, you, you, you know, you build your way up and then eventually you get into clubs and the clubs will put you up in their comedy condo or they might put you up in a local hotel or whatever. And, you know, you just kind of... But you have to work your way up. You don't just start at the top. Yeah. So going back to your friend that thought yeah. you would be able to do it after a year, is it yeah. just reputation or, and, or is it skills it's as ju- well? It's skill. It's okay. skill and it's there's a bit of paying your dues. You can't... Unless you're, again, unless you're fucking brilliant, unless you're Dave Chappelle, you can't just just jump ahead, you know? And I think that there's a lot of people think when you're in your first couple of years, when you have like, first of all, your first couple of years, you're probably bombing your face off every day, whether you know it or not. But if you're feeling good, you might think like, oh, I'm ready. Like you always feel like you're ready for more than you are. But then when you get a couple years past that point and look back, you're like, oh, yikes, I shouldn't. I'm, it's good that I didn't get on TV then, you know? Right. At least in the early stages. But I think, you know, once you're 20 years in, if you're still, and I don't know because I'm not 20 years in, but I imagine if you're still, if you still haven't like, uh, hit markers that you want to it's probably not because you don't deserve it it's just some of it has just to do with luck and something you said in there really made my blood run cold (laughs) that you'd be bombing whether you knew it or not so is it possible to come off stage thinking yeah nailed that and everyone in the audience thinking absolutely absolutely i've had friends post videos like when it took me years before I was ever comfortable posting a video online. And like right at, when I first started, I would have friends post videos and they're like, I'm just fucking killing. And I watch it and I'm like, oh God, oh, it's so painful to watch. You want to throw up because it's so bad. But they think, and I don't know if it's like adrenaline or what. So that sounds like a scary trap that I'll easily <laughs> fall into. So how do I avoid it? I don't know. I don't think you avoid it. I think everybody's, I mean, I've definitely, in the beginning, like, and that's another thing that just comes with time and with experience, is like, you learn to really gauge when you are doing well and when you aren't doing well, because in the beginning, you don't really, you don't have, have as much of a feel for it, or you might have a bunch of friends in the audience who are just super supportive, and they're clapping, and they're cheering, and so you, you remember that feeling and how good that is and then you come off stage and maybe you watch your video six months later and you're like what the fuck (laughs) what was that this is so embarrassing yes i could feel that yeah although i don't have any friends and i'm quite you know i've got quite a 
Mm-hmm. I don't, I'd like to think realistic view of myself. Others might say it's a bit pessimistic occasionally. So I think I'd probably come off most of the time thinking, oh, that's shit, and be really hard on myself. Do you think that would be just as bad as coming off thinking, yeah, I rocked it? Even when I don't like, know. I'm, I'm, I think most comics are really hard on themselves, and yeah. I, I would rather be hard on myself than think that I'm good when I'm bad. So what's your ratio then? <laughs> so every hundred shows, how many shows are you going to come off stage thinking, oh, that's bad? 50? I don't know. I think as I go along to the bar I set for myself is a little bit higher every year. So because I've had some shows that were so that went so incredibly well and now I know I now I know what it feels like to really be on your game and like really do well. Now when I have an okay show, it feels like it, it feels it feels just as bad as when I was having terrible shows before, you know? And does that come from audience reaction or from you knowing your material and when you've stumbled on a punchline or...? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, some... And I never want to, like, blame an audience for for anything, but some audiences are just not... Maybe not for me. Maybe a little stiff. I had a show a couple weeks ago that felt like... Uh, I was dying for 45 minutes, but it was just like this really wealthy, older crowd, and that's just really not my demographic. And it's not not for the set that I was doing, maybe for other jokes, but for the set that I was working on, it really, really was not my demographic. Because I have this whole like 10 minute chunk about being broke, and uh, to say that it didn't resonate with them is kind of an understatement. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so do you have to do a lot of jiggling of your set to uh, sort of match with an audience or sometimes you just like, um, Typically you. I don't, unless it's like, I just do whatever I need to work on, whatever bits I need to work on, because then I can listen back to my set later. But I, I might tweak it a little bit if it's a really rowdy crowd, I might go a little bit... Um, I'll take out some of the intellectual stuff because, you know, if people are drunk on a Saturday night, they don't give a shit about something that's a little more heady. They want to hear something more filthy or like, or maybe something more playful. You know, they don't care. <laughs> right. Um, we should probably insert a tip here, shouldn't we? What, what's our next? Oh, yeah, wait, what was, that was three tips? So, was yeah. that four tips? Three. Tip number four, I will say, and this is this is a painful one, but record every set and then listen back to every set. And I know it it's so fucking hard to sit and listen to yourself, especially if you're like bombing, but you need to know why you're bombing. And you may give yourself some time. You don't have to listen to it immediately that day. And I, I for me, I need space between when I record something and when I listen to it so that I can have a more so I can listen to it as an outsider more if that makes sense because if I'm if I'm too close to the recording it's I can't see my way around that set where if it's been a couple of weeks and I listen back I can say I can I can listen as though I'm an audience member and not myself and I think that that's really important and I've if you have a bit that's not really working, you to f- try to find other ways to write it. You know, I think um, 
one thing that's really good is if like you you take the bit as a subject and you say what what's the core of this that I think is funny and then break that down and like why do I think that's funny that's funny because this part is absurd that's funny because this part isn't true whatever and you could write that down and then have little tangents coming off of that and try to try to see if you could work it in another direction like I had this bit that I was doing for a couple of years and it was like it was so funny to me but it just didn't hit with the crowd and then I realized that the uh, what I thought was the core of it was just a little bit off from what what it really was if that makes sense right and then when I ended up recording my album I kind of went to the left a little bit with it and it and it ended up working but it took me a while to see it I don't know to see it differently so yeah re- record everything re- listen back and I guess that could go into I guess this could be a fifth tip but it's also I would say whenever it is humanly possible film yourself always like it's really important to film yourself because you might have some like weird nervous tics that you don't know about I used to like I notice when I get nervous I'll like what did I used to do I had one nervous tick and then I got rid of it and then I picked up another one which is like I'll hold the mic with both hands like I'm hanging out for dear life right and that's a weird thing so I try to be really aware of that because if you watch it on tape it looks ridiculous um and also like you might want to be on television one day that might be your if that's your goal you need to like really start working on your physicality early and and I think another thing too when you get nervous at least for me and I think this is true for a lot of people when you get nervous you if you have any kind of like physicality that you add to a bit it always feels like you're going way bigger than you are like for my first couple of years I thought I was like moving around in crazy ways and then I watched the video and I'm like oh, I'm not I'm just standing still but it feels like you're moving a lot sure. you know just because you're fucking terrified <laughs> and you've just recorded your album mm-hmm. um, over a couple of shows how long do you think you'll leave it before you listen to that back objectively uh, I have to get on it soon because I, I need the album to come out to be released soon I have a deadline so I I'm off today and tomorrow and I think it's too early and then I'm in Edinburgh all weekend and then I'm off again I think next Monday Tuesday so I'll probably sit down Monday Tuesday and listen to it and what happens if uh, there are bits in there and you're like oh I hate that do you have to then re-record them somewhere oh, else oh no that's it gosh yeah so how how did you although I don't think I ha- I'm gonna hate anything because I've been working so hard on it that I, and I've whittled it down to like okay it's this it's this set here we go you know and did you feel pressured when you were doing the recordings more than you would normally um I think leading up to it I did and then the day of I ended up feeling fine I mean I was a little bit nervous for my first for the first round and then the second round I was completely comfortable and I was more so nervous that I was going to forget tags or bits um, and I think I hit everything I think but also like my 
my friend JJ opened for me and he he has four of his own albums out I think four three or four and so he like really put me in ease um, my sound guy has recorded tons of stuff and so he I, I just everybody made me feel so comfortable it didn't feel high stakes or nervous or anything you know sure and one of the things that uh, I sort of am worried about in advance mm-hmm. is memory how how do you I'm fucking terrified of forgetting stuff. I'm, I always think I'm gonna forget stuff, but then I think like, you build up a memory. Like now, you know, after you've been, cause you're, you're always gonna start with a shorter set. If you start, when you first start, you're not gonna be doing 45 minutes. You build up to that. So it, it gets easier cause you, you come up with a good five minutes that you like, and then you come up with another five minutes, and now you have ten. But since you already knew the first five, you know, you, you're never, you're never going zero to a hundred. You're always building up. Um, it is tough when you, for me at least, I, I'm, I always forget something. So like in in LA you're mostly doing short sets. Like in, in any major city, you're mostly doing short sets unless you're famous and you can sell out a theater. So you're doing like seven to 10 minutes a night and then you go on the road and you do 45. And the jump from seven to 45 is, that's much harder. So like the, for me, at least the first couple of nights I do 45 cold from having done seven over and over again, I have to have a set list because I will forget stuff. But then, you know, once you've done it a few times, you remember things. And even if you start to like, if you forget something and go a little bit out of order, you, you'll, you'll go back to it. I suppose it's almost like evolution, isn't it? So the creatures that did the things that killed them, you know, died and ones yeah. that had near misses learned from the not so is Yeah, it? absolutely. I mean, it's a muscle. You build up, you're building up literally a muscle. It's like learning a language. You wouldn't, you wouldn't expect to go from not knowing French to being fluent in French tomorrow. You learn words, like, bits and pieces at a time. I tried to learn Japanese in my car over a period of months listening to audio things. can't remember a word of it now. That was only a couple of years ago. (laughs) It's so hard. And I'm like, I know some Spanish, but I mostly know. Like, I could listen in on somebody's conversation and piece together what they're saying, but I can't say it back to them. I can't put the sentences together, like... I just will gra- randomly grab nouns and verbs out of my head, and I'm like, it, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like I'm having a stroke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes you can pick up on body language and intonation, can't you? I've got um, family in Malta, and I went over to see some oh, of wow. them, um, and we were at a restaurant, yeah. and they bumped into someone that they knew, and mm-hmm. they were talking Maltese, had no idea, yeah. but you can still sort of gauge where the conversation's going, can't you? Like, I've worked out that they were old school friends that hadn't seen each other for yeah. a while just because of the the intonation and the body language I yeah. suppose you don't have to worry about that yet you haven't even started yeah. <laughs> I like that you're worried about it though. I've got to think here don't that's you? exactly what I do I worry about stuff that's 10 years away I'm like well you know when this happens are you a good sleeper do you get kept awake by things mm-hmm. well, I don't fall asleep very easily but once I'm asleep I'm pretty much in a coma yeah do you know, I just learned recently, when you are like really in a, really asleep, during REM sleep is when your brain finds the connector between two things. Right. And so 
REM sleep is even more crucial to stand-ups than, I don't know, somebody stocking shelves somewhere. Not that that's not, I mean, do whatever job you have to do, but in order to connect ideas, you need to be getting good sleep. So I should stop drinking so much before bed then? Yeah, literally drinking stops you from going into REM sleep. Yeah, I'm in big trouble. (laughs) So so is my beer belly, I'm going to have to stop drinking. (laughs) So do you have sort of, do you often wake up and have eureka moments? Ah, that's what I should be doing with this bit. Because your brain's made those connections overnight. No. No, I don't think that I have. But, you know, day by day, you, you remember things. You come up with things, like, during the day. When's your best time for joining up dots? That you, you, there are bits you're struggling on. Is there like Honestly, a lot of times it'll be when I'm in the middle of a conversation with somebody, and maybe something they say, and not that I'm using what they say as a bit, but something they say will just hit a part of my brain where it's like, oh, shit, wait a second. Uh that reminds me of this that connects to this other thing so this is how the bit should go and then I either have to write it down like a crazy person in the middle of the conversation or I miss the rest of the conversation because I'm just repeating it over and over again in my head so I don't forget it. It just glaze over. Yeah. You're staring at Completely glaze over. And is, is that something your friends are used to now? They're like, oh God, do you ever just listen to what we say for what we're... Yes, I think yeah. my friends hate me. Yes. <laughs> That's what friends are for, though, right? Yes. Absolutely. I've had friends for ages, I can't remember. <laughs> we should do, <laughs> we should do another uh, tip, shouldn't we? So number seven, I will say, and I think a lot of people just starting out don't realize this, but if you're, it's one thing if you if you leave the mic in the stand, and you talk into the mic, and that's your style, that's fine. Um, uh, but if you like to hold the microphone, which is most stand-ups, or at least in the U.S., I know people here do earpieces, and that weirds me out personally, but whatever, that's just my own opinion. If you hold a microphone, when you first grab it out of the microphone stand, grab the stand and put it behind you. It's the most amateur looking thing. Like when you see somebody doing stand-up and they take the mic out of the stand and then the stand is in front of them, you look, you look new. Sure. You look like you don't know what you're doing. It just looks like, it. don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to take a second to grab the, the mic and just settle in and get comfortable in your space. You know, you can you can take that two seconds. You don't have to start talking and performing instantaneously when you get on stage. I used to you be know? a rock star. I think I'd be worried though that if I took it <laughs> off the microphone stand that I'd loop the wire around my hand and have that little hand loop like Eddie Vedder or someone would have. Oh yeah. So would that be found on, do you think? Having the having it wrapped around your hand? Yeah, I don't think loop. so. I don't think so. People will be like, oh, who does he think he is? How do you think <laughs> Do whatever you want to do. So you said you catch yourself sometimes holding it with two hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I suppose the next step from that is you've got to think of something to do with your spare hand, otherwise that could look fucking awkward as well. Yeah, I do. I mean, I gesture quite a bit with my spare hand, but... My spare hand. That sounds like I have like a retractable hand. <laughs> I I do gesture quite a bit with my free hand, um, but 
when personally when I get nervous I'll notice myself grab the mic with both hands and I'm like but then in my head I'm like fuck stop let go let go let go (laughs) (laughs) you know which is also a crazy thing that I'm just like in my own head that's another thing once you start doing stand-up for a while it's crazy how you could be doing a set and having a different like actually performing not just phoning it in like performing and then you will have like a second stream of consciousness in your brain sure. that's doing something totally different where you're like directing your body or thinking of something that's coming up or you're aware of the room or being filmed or whatever. It's, it's like you have two different streams of consciousness, which is strange. I mean, I've had, I've had sets where I might be doing like 30 minutes and I'm telling jokes and I'm entertaining an audience. And then also in my mind, I'm just like listing shit I need to get done that weekend. And it's, it's fucking weird. It's really a bizarre like skill that you develop. It feels, it feels like you're splitting time. Yeah. No, that's really fake now. What would be the next <laughs> tip before we get kicked out of our Wait, room? that was seven? Yes. Oof. Um, and I will say this, and I, I think that um, the, I think it was Sarah Silverman who I had her, first heard this from in like an interview or something. But you, as much as you would like to, you can't, you don't choose your own style. Your style chooses you. It's just whatever naturally you settle into. And, and I think that, like, when I started, my favorite comedian is Chris Rock. And I tried to be very deliberate and very much... I mean, I tried to mimic him in a way. And um, that's just not who I am as a performer. And it just not... It just wasn't working. And I think that you can... You can definitely watch someone and think, oh, I like this aspect of what they do. Um, And maybe try that style for yourself. You can try it all day, but after a few years, you're going to settle into whoever you are. And does that change slightly depending on your audience or do you have to sort of rigidly stick to your own voice? I think you should stick to your own voice. I don't think, I mean like, I'm talking about like just the way somebody performs or presents stuff or the way you write, you know, the way your mind works. That's not, I don't think that can be influenced by the audience. You know, I don't think you're going to go up and perform something sitting down and like having kind of like a lecture style and like a really slow delivery and then the next day you're going to go up and be goofy and physical you know but would you smooth off any edges like if you were like when you said you were in the room of all the old dudes and they didn't know what poverty was i just kept going i mean honestly i might go in a different direction for different sets but specifically for that set that i did a couple weeks ago um I was working on my set for my album, and so I just had to power through because I was like, I'm not gonna change this because I need to work on these bits for a recording that's in two weeks, you know? So it was kind of like a little bit defiant of me where I was like, well, fuck off, strap in, here we go, you know? And you just have to resign yourself to dying for a little while. <laughs> sure, and how is it? This could almost be a tip, couldn't it? Um, how, how, to recover, how to recover from a death. Well, how to get through a death. I mean, you just have to keep going until you're done. And then, I'll add this as a tip. We'll say, we'll say this is a tip. Don't, um, don't get in the habit of self-medicating. 
You know, if you, you're going to have shit sets and you have to live with you after that. And it's not, I mean, I know people who are fucked up all the time and it's not, you're so much sharper when you're not fucked up all the time. Like I didn't drink for three weeks. Not that I'm like drinking. I, I didn't even drink a lot. Like I might have a beer or two, but I didn't drink at all for three weeks leading up to my recording because I was just like, I need my brain to be sharp. I need sure. to be a hundred percent. And you are plenty of people can perform fucked up, but you will, uh, no matter who you are, you will always be better if you are not fucked up. I mean, I've seen huge names in comedy perform totally drunk and be fucking sloppy and make it through a set and still get laughs. But it's like, also then you see them when they're sober and that's a, a, a thousand times better set. You, you have to get used to not using drugs or alcohol as a crutch because it's not helping you. It sure. might calm you down, but you need to be able to perform I think, and maybe that sounds judgmental, but like you need to be able to f- perform without it. And do you uh, have a way of medicating yourself for counteracting the adrenaline rush that you get? Or do you, do you still get an adrenaline rush after a gig? Oh, I definitely do. I don't know, I just, you just learn to, you, you learn to deal with it like you learn to deal with any emotions, you know? Like you, you know, when you're a kid, you might throw tantrums when you're, mad or frustrated or whatever and then you you train yourself to not throw tantrums because you can't be an adult in the world throwing tantrums it's not it's really unbecoming <laughs> you said that i had visions of you coming off stage still still a bit high on adrenaline and just having a tantrum just laying on the floor and beating your fists against the floor i mean it would be a lot of fun don't get me wrong it would oh. be a fucking great time <laughs> so how do you, how do you come down after you've come off stage? I don't know. Sometimes, I, sometimes I'm like awake for a while and I just, you can't do anything about that. Per, personally, for me, I'll come home, I'll drink some tea, maybe watch TV for a little while, read, just anything that feels soothing. And are you naturally a night owl? Yeah. Does it help yeah. to be a night owl in that industry? Yeah. Yes, but then there's also like a lot of shit you have to get done during the day. Yeah. I mean, like after we wrap this up, uh, I have so many fucking emails I have to send. I have a, a million emails I have to send. And quite honestly, I'd rather not do them. <laughs> but you have to. <laughs> you have to keep things going, you know? There's just some things you have to get done during the day. Does that lead us on to the final tip neatly, or is it going to uh, be a handbrake turn? I wonder what the final tip is. Just be, I, I would say be your authentic self. That's my final tip. And that might, that's, that's way up there in importance, but be your authentic self. I think, you know, the first couple of years of anybody's comedy career, you're trying to mimic somebody else or you, whoever your hero is. Most people do that. And I see some people and they're like, and it, it is painful to watch somebody deliberately try to be Amy Schumer because only Amy Schumer is Amy Schumer. Let her be Amy Schumer. Don't worry about it. Be whatever you think is funny. Work on that. You know? And how did you find yours? It takes a while. I think it takes a long, long time. And I, I still am coming into who I am as a performer. I think like my newer bits have a little bit of more physicality to it. And I, I think that 
I'm just just now this far in I'm feeling more comfortable physically on stage and I you know and I'm curious to see like now that I have one hour recorded I'm really curious to see what my next hour is going to look like you know I think I think it's going to be different I don't think it'll be there's a couple of bits in my album that are darker and I think when I first wrote them they were deliberately darker because I I, I, mean, I think most comics have a dark sense of humor, but um, now my comedy isn't as deliberate or as forced, you know? Like, if I think something is funny, I work on that, and I try to present what I think is funny about that to the audience rather than, like, uh, rather than, like, trying to shock them, I guess, you know, or be over the top. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So now you've recorded the album, does that mean that stuff's put, put to bed, you're moving on to the next? Yeah. yeah. Is that quite an emotional? It feels really nice. I, you know, when I first decided to record an album, maybe like a year ago when I was thinking about it, I thought, fuck, what am I going to do Like once I get rid of this hour? Then I just can't do this hour anymore. And now that I've worked so hard on it, I'm like, I don't want to do these fucking jokes anymore because right. it's boring the shit out of me. I want to work on all new stuff, you know? It's like a computer game you've completed or something. It's like, why yeah. would you do that? Like, why would you do the same puzzle over and over again? And that's what it feels like. It's a puzzle. And it's yeah. like, fuck, leave me alone. <laughs> and you're seven years in. It's, we shed our skin, don't we, every seven years? We have new skin. Oh, yeah. So it's that's like, true. your new skin, now that the album's there. Yeah. So going forwards, what what things have you got coming up? What can you, what what, what can people see you? Um, well, by the time this comes out, I will I will have already gone to Edinburgh. Not for I'm not doing fringe, but um, just for club spots. But I um, you could you could go on my website lisacurry.net or follow me on Instagram Olympian Lisa Curry and. Uh, you know, check out when my album's coming out and get it, because I put a lot of work into it, and I think it's going to be good. I'm really proud of it. And if you could give me some final, final thoughts, final words of advice. Final thoughts. <laughs> so eleven <laughs> tips. Okay. <laughs> well, just a final pep talk as I go into my midlife crisis head first. I think just, I think do it, do it if it's what you want to do and if it's what make is making you happy, and don't. If, if it's no longer serving you at some point, don't, um, don't judge yourself. I mean, I know some people that are just doing it to like prove somebody wrong or whatever, and it's like, it's a fucking lot of work, and it's a miserable thing to do to prove a point. Um, <laughs> I think if you want to do it, and it's always been a dream of yours, just fucking go for it. But no, like, if you want to make any kind of a career out of it, you have to give it 100%. You can't just be like back and forth and in and out because then you'll just be in this purgatory, this absolute hell <laughs> for as long as you do that. So you're telling me I should quit my job? No. <laughs> <laughs> I read that as I need to quit my job. I think when you, I, when you first start comedy, you have to also have a job. So you have two jobs for a long time. And that's exhausting.
but that's just what, the way it has to be. Unless you have, you know, a trust fund or something. So I should quit then my friends? You. I should quit my social life? <laughs> you should quit your social life. Hey, you're not gonna, one of those. You should say goodbye to your friends because you're never going to see them They've again. hated me for years. <laughs> this is going to be easy. Lisa Curry, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Nathan. It was fun. So if it sounds like we were winging it a bit there, it's because we were. Due to the time mix-up, Lisa had three hours less to prepare and rushed over to the Little Angel Theatre to meet me. I'm so grateful she did. That said, she probably thinks that I'm a total weirdo. Afterwards, we were chatting outside and as I was conscious that she had a ton of emails to get through and didn't want to take up any more of her time, uh, I suggested we walked and talked, despite the fact I didn't know where I was or where I was going. So we walked and the conversation was suddenly more awkward as she probably thought I was going to murder her down an alley or worse, follow her around all day. So I think we were both relieved when she reached her destination which luckily was near a tube station. Please rate, subscribe and catch my top 10 pod on all the social medias and Patreon. Next week Alex Horn talks top 10 breakfasts.